Section thirty two of the Broad Highway. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by Lynn Thompson. The Broad Highway by Geoffrey Farnall. Book two, chapter twenty four. The Virgil Book. A man was leaning in the shadow of a tree looking down into the hollow i could not see him very distinctly because though evening had scarcely fallen the shadows where he stood were very dense but he was gazing down into the hollow in the attitude of one who waits for what for whom a sudden fit of shivering shook me from head to foot and while i yet shivered i grew burning hot the blood throbbed at my temples the small hammer was drumming much faster now and the cool night air seemed to be stifling me very cautiously i began creeping nearer the passive figure while the hammer beat so loud that it seemed he must hear it where he stood a shortish broad-shouldered figure clad in a blue coat he held his hat in his hand and he leaned carelessly against the tree and his easy assurance of air maddened me the more as he stood thus looking always down into the hollow his neck gleamed at me above the collar of his coat Wherefore I stooped and laying my irons in the grass crept on once more and as I went I kept my eyes upon his neck a Stick snapped sharp and loud beneath my tread and lounging back stiffened and grew rigid The face showed for an instant over the shoulder and with a spring he had vanished into the bushes it was a vain hope to find a man in such a dense tangle of boughs and underbrush yet i ran forward nevertheless but though i sought eagerly upon all sides he had made good his escape so after a while i retraced my steps to where i had left my irons and brackets and taking them up turned aside to that precipitous path which as i have already said leads down into the hollow now as I went listening to the throb of the hammer in my head whom should I meet but Charmian coming gaily through the green and singing as she came at Sight of me she stopped and the song died upon her lip Why why Peter you look pale dreadfully pale Thank you. I am very well said I You have not been fighting again Why should I have been fighting Charmian? Your eyes are wild and fierce Peter Were you coming to to meet me Charmian? Yes, Peter Now watching beneath my brows it almost seemed that her color had changed and that her eyes of set purpose avoided mine Could it be that she was equivocating? But I am much before my usual time tonight Charmian Then there will be no waiting for supper and I am ravenous Peter and as she led the way along the path she began to sing again being come to the cottage i set down my bars and brackets with a clang these said i in answer to her look are the bars i promised to make for the door do you always keep your promises peter i hope so then said she coming to look at the great bars with a fork in her hand for she was in the middle of dishing up then if you promise me always to come home by the road and never through the coppice you will do so won't you why should i 
I inquired turning sharply to look at her Because the coppice is so dark and lonely and if I Say if I should take it into my head to come and meet you sometimes there would be no chance of my missing you and So she looked at me and smiled and going back to her cooking fell once more a singing the while I sat and watched her beneath my brows surely surely no woman whose heart was full of deceit could sing so blithely and happily or look at one with such sweet candor in her eyes and yet the supper was a very ghost of a meal for when i remembered the man who had watched and waited the very food grew nauseous and seemed to choke me she's a eve a eve rang a voice in my ear eve tricked adam didn't she and you ain't a better man nor adam she's a eve a eve peter you eat nothing yes indeed said i staring unseeingly down at my plate and striving to close my ears against the fiendish voice and you are very pale i shrugged my shoulders peter look at me i looked up obediently yes you are frightfully pale are you ill again is it your head Peter what is it and with a sudden half shy gesture she stretched her hand to me across the table and As I looked from the mute pity in her eyes to the mute pity of that would-be comforting hand I had a great impulse to clasp it close in mine to speak and tell her all my base and unworthy suspicions and Once more to entreat her pardon and forgiveness the words were upon my lips, but I checked them madman that I was and shook my head it is nothing i answered unless it be that i have not yet recovered from black george's fist it is nothing and so the meal drew to an end and though feeling my thoughts base i sat with my head on my hand and my eyes upon the cloth yet i knew she watched me and more than once i heard her sigh a man who acts on impulse may sometimes be laughed at for his mistakes but he will frequently attain to higher things and be much better loved by his fellows than the colder more calculating logician who rarely makes a blunder and simon peter was a man of impulse supper being over and done charmian must needs take my coat despite my protests and fall to work upon its threadbare shabbiness mending a great rent in the sleeve and watching her through the smoke of my pipe Noting the high mould of her features the proud poise of her head the slender elegance of her hands I was struck sharply by her contrast to the rough bare walls that were my home and the toil-worn unlovely garment beneath her fingers As I looked she seemed to be suddenly removed from me far above and beyond my reach That's the fourth time Peter What Charmian? That is the fourth time you have sighed since you lighted your pipe and it is out and you never noticed it Yes said I and laid the pipe upon the table and sighed again before I could stop myself Charmian raised her head and looked at me with a laugh in her eyes Oh my philosophical dreamy blacksmith where be your thoughts I Was thinking how old and worn and disreputable my coat looked Indeed sir said Charmian holding it up and regarding it with a little frown Forsooth it is ancient and hath seen better days Like the wearer said I and sighed again 
Hark to this ancient man, she laughed, this hoary-headed blacksmith of ours, who sighs and forever sighs. If it could possibly be that he had met any one sufficiently worthy, I should think that he had fallen, philosophically, in love. How think you, Sir Knight of the Rueful Countenance? I remember, said I, that among other things you once called me Superior Mr. Smith. Charmian laughed and nodded her head at me. You have been describing to me some quite impossible idealistic creature, alone worthy of your regard, sir. Do you still think me superior, Charmian? Do you still dream of your impalpable, bloodlessly perfect ideals, sir? No, I answered. No, I think I have done with dreaming. And I have done with this thy coat, for behold, it is finished. And rising, she folded it over the back of my chair. Now, as she stood thus behind me, her hand fell and, for a moment, rested lightly upon my shoulder. Peter. Yes, Charmian. I wish, yes, I do wish that you were either much younger or very much older. Why? Because you wouldn't be quite so, so cryptic. Such a very abstruse problem. Sometimes I think I understand you better than you do yourself, and sometimes I am utterly lost. Now, if you were younger, I could read you easily for myself, and if you were older, you would read yourself for me. I was never very young, said I. No, you were always too repressed, Peter. Yes, perhaps I was. Repression is good up to a certain point, but beyond that it is dangerous, said she with a portentous shake of the head. Hey-ho, was it a week or a year ago that you avowed yourself happy and couldn't tell why? I was the greater fool, said I. For not knowing why, Peter? For thinking myself happy. Peter, what is happiness? An idea, said I, possessed generally of fools. And what is misery? Misery is also an idea. Possessed only by the wise Peter, Surely he is wiser who chooses happiness. Neither happiness nor misery comes from choice. But if one seeks happiness, Peter? One will assuredly find misery, said I, and, sighing, rose, and taking my hammer from its place above the bookshelf, set to work upon my brackets, driving them deep into the heavy framework of the door. All at once I stopped, with my hammer poised, and for no reason in the world looked back at charmian over my shoulder looked to find her watching me with eyes that were if it could well be puzzled wistful shy and glad at one and the same time eyes that veiled themselves swiftly before my look yet that shot one last glance between their lashes in which were only joy and laughter yes said i answering the look but she only stooped her head and went on sewing yet the colour was bright in her cheeks. And, having driven in the four brackets or staples and closed the door, I took up the bars and showed her how they were to lie crosswise across the door, resting in the brackets. We shall be safe now, Peter, said she. Those bars would resist an elephant. I think they would, I nodded, but there is yet something more. Going to my shelf of books, I took thence the silver-mounted pistol she had brought with her, and balanced it in my hand tomorrow i will take this to cranbrook and buy bullets to fit it 
Why there are bullets there in one of the old shoes Peter They are too large this is an unusually small caliber and yet it will be deadly enough at close range I will load it for you Charmian and give it into your keeping in case you should ever Grow afraid again when I am not by this is a lonely place for a woman at all times Yes, Peter she was busily employed upon a piece of embroidery and began to sing softly to herself again as she worked that old song which worthy mr pepys mentions having heard from the lips of mischievous-eyed nell gwynne in scarlet town where i was born there was a fair maid dwelling made every youth cry well away her name was barbara allen are you so happy charmian oh sir indifferent well i thank you all in the merry month of may when green buds they were swelling young jimmy grove on his deathbed lay for love of barbara allen are you so miserable peter why do you ask because you sigh and sigh like poor jimmy grove in the song he was a fool said i for sighing peter for dying i suppose no philosopher could ever be so foolish peter no said i certainly not it is well to be a philosopher isn't it peter hm said i and once more set about lighting my pipe anon i rose and crossing to the open door looked out upon the summer night and sighed and coming back sat watching charmian's busy fingers charmian said i at last yes peter do you ever see any any men lurking about the hollow when i am away her needle stopped suddenly and she did not look up as she answered no peter never are you sure charmian the needle began to fly to and fro again but still she did not look up no of course not how should i see anyone i scarcely go beyond the hollow and i'm busy all day a eve a eve said a voice in my ear eve tricked adam didn't she a eve after this i sat for a long time without moving my mind harassed with doubts and a hideous morbid dread why had she avoided my eye her own were pure and truthful and could not lie why why had they avoided mine if only she had looked at me presently i rose and began to pace up and down the room you are very restless peter yes said i yes i fear i am you must pardon me why not read indeed i had not thought of my books then read me something aloud peter i will read you the sorrow of achilles for the loss of brisseis and going into the corner i raised my hand to my shelf of books and stood there with hand upraised yet touching no book for a sudden spasm seemed to have me in its clutches and once again the trembling seized me and the hammer had recommenced its beat beating upon my brain and in a while i turned from my books and crossing to the door leaned there with my back to her lest she should see my face just then i i don't think i will read tonight said i at last very well peter let us talk or talk said i i i think i'll go to bed pray i went on hurriedly for i was conscious that she had raised her head and was looking at me in some surprise pray excuse me i am very tired 
So while she yet stared at me I turned away and mumbling a good night went into my chamber and Closing the door leaned against it for my mind was sick with dread and sorrow and a great anguish For now I knew that Charmian had lied to me my Virgil book had been moved from its usual place End of book two, chapter twenty-four.